Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. And we're live. I'm welcome to Earful of Dirt. I'm Aaron Castor. You can find me at the Scrub Row. I am joined, as always, uh, by Craig Riddelli at MM Fly Half. I think uh, Liam is going, based on what he said last week, I think he's going to take a pause because he has to work because, like we said a couple of weeks ago, he took a, he went spelunking and dislocated his shoulder. So he got spelunked. Um, but uh, so I thought you were gonna wear those glasses, or they they blue light glasses. Do I was thinking about it? Yeah, I was gonna go. Uh, I was gonna go all preppy once the countdown ended. But I, I mean, I, I stare. I stare at like you. I stare at spreadsheets all day, except the spreadsheets I stare at are different. So they're yeah. not. They don't involve uh, you know investment banks and stuff. Um, I don't want to blind you with the reflection. No, that's it's, it's pretty. It's pretty atrocious. I, I do have to say, um, but uh, yeah. So how's, I mean, it's been a week. Uh, we watched, we we've chatted about rugby in the nether. Um, how bad did you do on super brew? Because not bad. I think I was four for six. I think I moved up an earful. Of really? You, yeah. you, wow. Wow. How did you, I mean, it, nobody picked. I mean, uh, I missed, uh, I, I totally missed switching a pick, which is a problem. Um, no one, yeah, the, the ATL one, I feel yeah, dumb. I moved up two spots in Earful of Dirt this week. Yeah, um, you know, it's, I I only dropped one for, and I, I only won two games. So that shows you how, how, I guess, predictable the results, people thought the results were, because no one, um, no one picked correctly this week. Um, thank you, Seattle. Um, for that one, um, not a big deal, guys. I'm I'm all about. Uh, I, man, I I'm sorry, Rocky. I forgot. Um, I know. Oh, yeah. What the I, hell? I'm I, yeah, unbelievable. I, I don't even know where it's where it all is because I definitely have some. I definitely have some other stuff that uh, we can put out. Uh, really, so. Uh, I've got a scarf from a couple years ago. Um, that is pretty awesome. I should probably wear that. Uh, and uh, I've got the hat. That's great. I've got the shirt. Like it's not the the greatest one, but it was definitely. I got this shirt during the during the t- the second title run. Um, and I remember talking to the the media officer for for uh, Seattle, Carly McKinnon, who she and I. Um, knew each other via email, but did not know each other like in person in 2018, the first final. And I was trying to get one of those, uh, trying to get one of those championship shirts because you had all those fans that came down onto the, uh, onto the pitch that got championship shirts. And I was like, uh, and cause she was her job, she was just supposed to give them to the players. And it, it was all kind of like strange. And then we ended up talking about it later on in 2019 towards the end. She's like, Oh, Oh yeah. I remember that. <laughs> and so it's just, it, it was funny. And now, you know, after last year, it was strange and we are in a space um, where again, to knock on wood, um, 
MLR hasn't missed any games. Um, and we're hitting round 18. Um, and we will, I think it's going to be not, I think it's so this week we will complete 96 games. And with the final, we will complete 99 games uh, in this season, which is when you look at a, at a gross percentage of games in a week, go look at the premiership and see what happened to them. They were canceling, uh, they were canceling games up to their last round. So I don't know what they were doing different, but we were doing something and we have less money. So 99 um, fixtures, but a COVID ain't one, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> So uh, let's just uh, let's just discuss the elephant in the room. Um, the Eagles did not do so well. Neither did Canada. It, it, interestingly, I will give Canada's like last ten minutes defense an A plus because uh, I thought England was going to put on two more tries, and they didn't. They they somehow kept. Uh, Old England um, to less points than we kept Old Ireland. Yeah, you what? <laughs> I mean, it was it was an ugly day for sure. Um, started off all right, you know. We we had a chance for points, but it was still nothing, nothing. We uh, you know opted to go for the corner, couldn't execute. I think we did it twice before Ireland. Hey, could have had three penalties instead. Yeah, we could have had twelve points instead of. Uh, I think we ended up with ten. You know. Yeah. So I mean. You know, we, we, we showed for a good 15 minutes maybe that we could hang, uh, but then we showed for the next 65 minutes that we were not going to hang. Uh, just really, honestly, mall defense. And this will come up in MLR this week as well. But, uh, I mean, we just were completely unable to stop the Irish mall. So even though I thought defense in general, I mean, obviously, you can't. it's hard to say defense played well and you give up 70 points. But uh, I thought – for the most part, at least, you know, in the first half while the starters were in and everyone was fairly fresh, I thought in, in general play, the defense actually looked all right. There was a couple big gashes where, they, you know, Ireland made a line break and, and just had really good execution yeah. to finish them. But it was really, you know, USA would get a penalty somewhere in the middle of the field. Ireland would kick to touch. Yeah, you know, by the five meter line, then maul it in. I mean, it seemed like somewhat. Three, somewhat four. reminds me of uh, the Seattle game um, this weekend. Mm, someone, someone decided to just kick to the corner. And New England. England. I mean, New England. Yeah. I think all of New England's tries were malls or mall adjacent, right? It, so, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm talking about um, the Eagles going in the air and then coming away with nothing. And then Nola going up in the air and coming away with nothing. I think what was even worse was how many times. Uh, Austin, when it came to their mall, their mall, um, should have gone into the trot and into the end goal and scored a try on their mall and then failed. And I wouldn't necessarily say it was because of LA's defense. It was in part, but they're just, it just wasn't in sync for them um, because they had it going and then they would stop. And I'm just like, yeah. And, and I will say they got some bad calls in that game. That was probably the one game where I was like, this was really affected by the referee. Um, I thought um, for the Eagles, I thought our game, that game was very affected by the referee, but not that it would have changed the results. I yeah. think it was, I really think that the way Raynal ref that game gave Ireland 20 point handicap because we were getting nothing. Yeah. Nothing, and he yeah, and he, I mean, he was like by sixty. Was, it's hard to to even you know start. I mean, offers. but I, I mean, I think I think there were some bright spots. I, I think Michael Bosca has done a great job in his 
yeah, you know, eighteen minutes of playing time. And he's watching not- that game, I, I have no idea why Ruben DeHaas started. I, I was, I mean, I was salty after that game, and I was like, why did Ryan Reese not get his cap? I would have just based on that game, and maybe this is just me wrong, and and not watching. I mean, we don't get to see practice, and we effectively get one. Um, and none of us, no one brought this up about Ryan Reese, why he wasn't getting, why what he wasn't debuting or why Mike Dabalis wasn't debuting, et cetera, in the press conference. But when I look back, I'm going, why didn't Mike Dabalis get, you know, on that 23? And why didn't uh, Ryan Reese get on that 23? And I just, I thought DeHaas played a good game against England. Yeah, me too. I, I did not. I, I he it, he was ineffective against Ireland for the most part, and when he did clear, like it would go five meters and then into touch. Yeah, like so, it, his directional box kicking was. I I, I I didn't think his box kicking was especially good against England either. Reminded me of the old days for the box kick in the, the old days of conference. Mike Petrie. The yeah. other days, you know, oh, I, I thought Hanko Hammerscheiss actually also played really well yeah. uh, in this game. Um, and he played well in his, in his time in the first game. Uh, he never can seem to stick in a starting spot on, on Team USA, but uh, I just really like the way he plays. He's, he has such hustle. He's willing to be a ball carrier. He's willing to get into tough physical spots. I look at, I look at Honko and, and maybe it's a fitness thing, but I wonder if it's just – because of how hard he plays, he can't be like playing back-to-back games at this level. I feel and like people doubt him because he's short. You know, for a I fighter. mean, people are like he's under six foot. Have they, no one's ever stood. I mean, I've stood next to Hanko a ton of times. He is. I mean, he is not what people claim he is, which is my height, which is five nine. He's he's not five foot nine. He's. He's at least an inch and a half, maybe two inches taller than me. So at least I would say he's at least, you know, he is, he is for a fa- he is for a fact bigger than Andrew Guerra and Andrew Guerra is 5'10". So let's not like people need to need to chill out. Like, but um, I, I was very happy for Andrew Guerra uh, to get his, for, to get his debut. He is um, when you look at draft picks and, I mean, in a sense, guys who weren't projected to do much this season, like um, I thought that, you know, based on talking to Ryan Fitzgerald, based on talking to his coach, they're like, he is a guy you're going to draft because he's just got this high work rate, this physical presence, this ethic, work ethic, but he probably needs to become a hooker. People have said that a lot about Honko for years. And they're, and it's mostly because of his size. And I don't think you know, it's very necessary if you can play at a very high level and just be that work right flanker because, I mean, Michael Hooper is 5'10". I mean, yeah. he's he's not six foot four. Like, you just and, – and maybe being smaller is more helpful if you're going to be a fetcher, which we, we did have a decent possibility with Honko out on the field in this game, but it was just – uh, th- there's a lot to work on, especially at the scrum time um, attack. I, well, I don't think we saw our attack. It really, it is yeah, really hard to see what we were trying to do. Yeah, our possession is so high for the first 20 minutes. I mean, I remember they put a graphic up 
you know, for the first 20 minutes, it was like 45% of possession was inside the Ireland 22. We had no points. Um, we just, yeah, we didn't have quite enough attack to get through the, you know, goal line defenses are the toughest to break through. There's not much space. Everyone knows exactly where you're going to be. They don't have to get back very far. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough uh, to operate a goal line attack, but that said, we weren't, we didn't have enough to get through the Irish goal line, try line defense. Uh, and I, it showed because we had plenty of opportunities, especially early. And uh, we really didn't, we didn't even really threaten until we eventually scored our try late in the game. It, I mean, it's, um, it's one of those things where people asked if, if there was fatigue um, or not. Uh, yeah, definitely. We went, you know, all these boys came from a bunch of different time zones and decide to make it happen. And I'm not going to, I mean, we played at a very high level against England and then, uh, you know, it, it was, it was difficult after that. Uh, it was, in a sense, it was easy to sort of see the letdown, the possible letdown in this game, just because you, Ireland had the same advantages that England had. They had boys that had been, you know, a, a bunch of these guys that had been through a full test season throughout 2020 um, and 2021. Um, they got the Six Nations, and then they had a full uh, pro whatever season, and then a Rainbow Cup season, and now they're – I guess it's going to be called something else. Um you know, it's um, – I don't know. It is what it is. But, yeah, all that said, I, I still feel pretty confident going into the fall qualifiers against Canada. Uh, well, well, Canada did, any, did anyone watch Canada? Because I watched both Canada's games. And I, ugh, let's say we played one ugly game and we played a, we played a game where we played well but could have won. Or at least I wouldn't say could have won. The win was reachable um, if we had played better. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Canada did not like. I understand that they're missing players, but uh, yeah, yeah they, I don't anybody as good as AJ McGinty. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's a. T- I think it's a tough one for Canada, and um, you know, we both. Look, both Kingsley and Gary looked at this as a as a development pathway, uh, and I think we we did what we needed to do in this game in, in both games. Um, so he has an idea of who he's going to call into camp um, in September uh, yeah. before they head to St. John's, and uh, you know it's we will all we got to do is um, draw over there and then beat beat them by one point down here. Um, we actually, we, for anyone that understands in 2017, we drew in Canada in, I think it was in Calgary. Um, and then we demolished them in, uh, in San Diego, uh, at Torero, which I went to, it was a great, it was, a, it was, it was on Canada day. I have a picture somewhere with a Mountie. So it was it was a cool little event. I have I have to say, back uh, in 2017 when we were riding the wave and knew and knew John Mitchell was leaving, hmm. and we're wondering who our coach would be. It was it was a wild time. I gotta say, this was before MLR. The rumors hadn't the rumors hadn't really started. I think. I mean, maybe there were rumors, and I think 
Did I start? No, we hadn't started Earful of Dirt then yet. So um, I think Earful of Dirt, we started uh, in August of 2017. So uh, not, and uh, I don't know. Um, but so that's that. Uh, did you did you watch the Lions versus Sharks 2.0? Uh, I've watched yeah you know, bits and pieces of the Lions as as I've been able to, but I didn't watch any complete uh, matches, including yeah. yesterday's or including today's. Today, yeah. including today's. I, I watched today's during while I was working. Um, I'm going to watch the tests when, when they get to test. The, the cool story is that I work from home, so I can flip it on um, when I'm in the office because we have have a TV right there, um, but. Um, yeah, let's uh, move on to Major League Rugby action this week. Uh, got some heartbreak. Um, and I think one team sealed up the the first or second draft pick, depending on, as people keep asking us on Twitter and on Facebook, is Dallas for sure coming in? The, the answer is I do not know. I do. I, I, I think so. I know they're working. They, I mean, they continue to do stuff in the marketing space. They can, they're holding a camp this week. So, and they're whole, and they have another camp in like two weeks for kids. So they're, I think so. I don't, I don't know. I, I, we know the draft. You, you know what, you know what, you know what guys, you know what guys, all y'all will know if Dallas is a member when, when I know they're a member, because you'll probably find out before me, because I'm, I I don't chase rumors anymore. <laughs> uh, start them? No, I don't. Not at all. Um, <laughs> I I am too busy to pay attention to rumors. It's kind of it's nice being this busy though. Too busy uh, watching lions tests on the back. <laughs> uh, I was working the entire time, going like this. Uh, but um. Yeah, um, New York game. Uh, I thought it was a weird lineup. I haven't liked Zach Short at Scrum Half anytime he's played for Houston. So obviously they made that change pretty early. Nick Boyer came on, um, and then it still wasn't enough, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, big win for New York. Um, You know, what you want when you're a playoff caliber team playing the team that's last in the table and and you're home. Still, it was good to get uh, some injured players back. Andy Ellis, Dan Hollins had both started uh, this week. Uh, so they're looking healthy. Uh, they seem to escape the game healthy going into the big finale against NOLA. Well, I mean, you know, obviously everyone knows I'm a Rooster fan. I, you know, it's obviously you're happy to see a big win. I don't take much from it. Uh, I know, you know, Houston has little to play for at this point. They, they weren't playing with any particular inspiration. A couple of individual efforts, uh, you know, were okay. I thought uh, Pantolinen, you know, had a good line break. He, he showed a little bit of fire out there. Uh, um, and I thought when Boyer came in, actually, he was kind of a spark for them. Uh, I bet he scored a nice try. But for the most part, I think, you know, New York – knew that point differential might be a thing that was going to become important as they went into the last week and looked to score as many points as they could. Houston seemed to be agreeable to that. And so, you know, a lot of <laughs> uh, I was, I was asked like how many tries you guys had. So I did like, do like all the math, you know? And I was like, um, well, 
Nola didn't get score anymore. So, um, so the the crazy thing is is um, because of the way the tiebreakers are arranged head to head is like the second is before coin flips. That's how far it is <laughs> down there. So, and the, I don't know. I, the most wins one doesn't seem right to me because it doesn't account for draws. Um, if the teams are sort of like tied, so it doesn't account for the, the person who lost less games. I would like to go with, let's change that and put it, put, put less losses as there. These tiebreakers, uh, I, I think are a reflection of what they're, the league is trying to promote. So I, I guess what they're saying is they don't want you to play for the tie. They want you to play for a win because yeah. you know when it comes to that tiebreaker. So, so, so right now, um, at New York holds the tiebreakers if uh, they don't get a bonus point and Nola gets a bonus point and only wins by 19. If right. the only tiebreaker, the only two tiebreakers in there, and one supersedes the other, is um, before you get to total tries scored, it's try differential or it's point differential and um, total wins. And, and like, so total wins, that's going to be a tie. So you move to the next one, right? So it's point differential. So the only way for Nola to get in is to get the bonus point victory and to win by 20 points because the or next one going to deny a, a bonus point to New York. So New York cannot have four tries. Yeah. So you, so yeah. So New York can't get a bonus point at all. Um, and Nola gets a bonus point win wins by 20 plus because at point differential, they win the tiebreaker, the next tiebreaker, which is try differential they don't get that one. And then the right. next one is total tries scored and they don't get that one either. Yeah. So we'll never make it to that last one. But the point is if they, and then, the, and then after, and then after that, you're, and then after that you're at wins. And yeah. uh, obviously I think with, with total tries scored, you're rarely, will you ever be tied on total tries? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, that's that's why you put coin flips all the way. If you were tied on total tries scored and all those other things, all the other oh tiebreakers are down. Just, I just, mean, just flip the coin. No, yeah. I, I'd be like, you know what? No coins. Five minutes. Sudden death. Right now. Yeah. Um, and then PKs, and then boat race. Boat race. You, I mean, at, at that point, you need the boat race. on 15 scrum to decide <laughs> that. Uh, so, uh, moving on to our next game, uh, San Diego 29-38 DC. Uh, no Joe Peterson. In fact, Joe Peterson, uh, I don't know if uh, – obviously, that would, would have been his last game this season. I think he's hanging it up. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe he finds some extra – Juice in the tank. He was at the Grand Canyon last week, so I think he was probably nursing an injury too. Um, Santiago Gonzalez played okay at ten; wasn't really a big deal. I mean, the week before he played pretty well, and they got the they got that W. So, uh, but discipline really started to affect them um, when they when DC got the ball wide. Uh, it really helped, and then. Um, 
one of the things that they else they did, they had Api Nakitini and uh, Tavita Nangali just getting after it as locks and their high work rate. And in addition to that, um, Mungo Mason, dude's an animal. Like he uh, hits rucks, he's a fetcher, he tackles. He runs all over the pitch with the ball in hand. He breaks tackles, makes line breaks, offloads. Um, he didn't go into the air in this one, but he will if you need him to. Like he was, he was effectively he was a bell cow running back in this game. In addition to being a neck roll linebacker, so uh, that that's sort of that's how good of a player he is. And it's kind of and when you think about it, well, that maybe that's why he. Um, was in Scotland Sevens camp. I think he's, I think he's actually capped from a from a tournament. So um, by and only only played one game in a tournament. So I would think I want to know how captures work with sevens. Like, do you really only do you are you going to be allowed? I mean, obviously he's captured, right? So, but shouldn't you have to use someone for like multiple games in a sevens tournament to capture them? Wouldn't that be fair? I don't know, but I'm also like every after these Tonga games and the Fiji games and where the PR Pacific Rugby Welfare Player thing, PRPW, um, is like change the rules. I'm just like men make choices. Men make choices. Representing your country or the country of your choice is a tremendous honor, and if you want to change affiliations, change allegiances. I mean, that's fine. That's cool. But I got a new rule. If we're going to do that, your cap number, your record with the previous national team gets wiped away. That's a new one, new rule. Unless, and this is where like that Olympic loophole, I think actually makes sense because it's like, Hey, you can switch, but you need to stand down for three years and you can only go to a team that you had a pass that you are actually qualified for, for the Olympics. That means you have a passport for that country. And that means it really means something to you. I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, that's a, t- that's a tangent. There's a KKA. world rugby law tangent. Put yeah. 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 We're going to, we're going to put, we're going to close the door on that one. And yeah. So what did you think of this game? It was, it was competitive. It was entertaining. But after that, it was like two teams that weren't going anywhere. <laughs> it was the best game I think Old Glory has played in a while. And maybe it's because Mungo Mason is, has gotten healthy. I, I think he had, as you observed, had a tremendous game. Um, but I think overall they, they played well. They showed some more of that uh, attacking flair we saw early in the season uh, that had kind of vanished throughout. So, you know, neither team really had, had any um, – postseason stakes here so it was just a game for pride and experience but uh the Bulls has put in a good effort uh, and old glory honestly has played better uh they, they played probably you know, top two or three outputs I, I think of them from the year so good for them for getting the win and uh yeah it was it was entertaining that's all I have to say yeah, about so, that yeah so next game Austin 17 31 LA Oof, yeah uh, so Austin, uh, you know, in, in for some disappointment this week, they were eliminated. You know, we said they probably needed to win. Uh, and that's, this was borne out since they came out with no, 
no bonus point. Utah managed bonus points, so, so Austin are officially eliminated. Honestly, this, the game was a lot closer than the scoreline suggests. Uh, I mean, I think Austin were winning up till they were winning three different times, and I think they were winning up to you know the fiftieth minute or, or something to that effect. Uh, and they were only down by two until Goddard scored that you know trick play, uh, you know gimmicky line out try. Uh, I mean, s- s- yeah, stud play, but uh, uh, you know uh, unpredictable. I'm almost shocked that LA burned that play in this game that they didn't really need to win. Uh, you know, if I were them, I might have thought saving that that move that now will be on tape and people will be looking for for a more meaningful situation for them. But it was very meaningful for Austin. Uh, and yeah, Austin all, at the end fell short. Uh, LA, LA popped a few tries in the last few minutes to really widen the, the margin of victory. But uh, you know, they still again. I, I think they still showed the the weakness they they could have. I think Austin in the first half was playing really you know high line speed, tough defense, and LA was not scoring. Uh, you know, they 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 scored only. I don't know. I think they scored uh, like 10 points in the first half. I mean, it was pretty low, pretty low scoring affair till, till late in the game. So um, LA do win and Austin are eliminated, but I still think that LA's uh, weakness is, is exposed. And I think teams are hunting for it. Yeah. It's um, I think we, we know who the teams are that have beaten LA and what they can do. And it's really about um, effectively containing a lot of key pieces of their attack and challenging the rock and being very harsh at the rock um, and slowing the ball down so that a Harrison Goddard can't be fast or whoever their, uh, their scrum has to, is can't be fast, but really stopping the rapid switches, not just the inside switch that they have, but when they go far option and then just disrupting their support running is really important because um, they've had, you know, um, they, they've just, um, you know, it, it's been, it's been tough, uh, for, for other teams. And I thought they had something, but the, it, the biggest problem for Austin was after having the best defense in the league for most of these, the season, um, LA had the best defense. I really think the best defense period, although not ranked the best, um, uh, Atlanta's, Atlanta's is ranked third. I think it is the best defense. Yeah, me too. Um, um but Atlanta plays a tougher schedule, you know. Yeah, so, so it's uh, it the biggest issue for Austin was they were running into sort of a brick wall when they were trying to attack, and they had plenty of opportunities where they just banged on the banged on the line and. They, you know, fumbled their own opportunities within the five meter a bunch of times. And I would say they've not, if they had like two really bad calls go against them, um, like they were atrocious to the point where one of those is probably a try, um, effectively. Um, but at the end of the day, they still had their chances. And so you pays your money, it takes your chances, and they lost. Um, it's not it's not a game where I thought you you know they have some. I mean, Will McGee um, watching the game from overseas was like, <laughs> I am not going to stay silent, and I do agree with him. I do agree with him, 
But I also have to say, I don't know if I agree with the, the tweeting, but uh, <laughs> I do agree with it. But I, I, I still go with the old adage of never let the referee matter. That's that's my thing. Um, so yeah, um, Atlanta versus Utah. What we saw, um, we haven't seen Adrian Carolsa for a while. Um, which is interesting. Um, Bautista as Caress has finally sort of settled into uh, playing 10 um, and not being um, the hero ball player that he was earlier in the season when he had to play 10 and not really because he was going to play 10, if that makes sense. Um, but uh, he can kick, he can run, he can, you know, distribute link, whatever. He'd be very, he, he was pretty dynamic at 10 in this one and uh th- they did enough um as a team uh johan momsen just does johan momsen things got two tries one of them where it was like you know hey candy from a baby is that is that what he literally because i was uh recording with him last night for mlr kickoff ding drink um you know i know some people play that game i mentioned that show um but, uh, and he was saying like, I, I was pretty sure I got this, but I looked at the ref. I was like, there's no way I got this try. Like just picked it up and like, yeah, thanks. But, uh, he, I mean, hard in the rock, um, great line out option when they have both Momsen and Redling Heist, it's, uh, that are fit and they're ready to go. It's just, uh. It's a bit too good, you know. They, ha- I mean, as a lock pairing, that has to be when you look at their age, right? Because they're both. We'll see. Momsen's twenty-two. Um, Redling Ice maybe twenty-three. They are amazing. Yeah. For for yeah. how young they are, and if the finals end up being Atlanta versus LA, you're gonna have maybe uh, the best two. Uh, the two lock pairing best uh, offerings in the league. Yeah. But then we get into um, Manasa Saulo. Um, just, uh, you know, even though we have limited the amount of scrums and scrum resets in this league this year, um, I don't think it's really changed much. I think effectively it's just sped up the game because yeah. I think it's only reduced the amount of beat. The, as much as I think you should be able to take a penalty and scrum someone into submission, it hasn't changed it that much. And you have Manassas Saulo go onto the pitch, and uh, you no one can win a scrum against him. He's literally the the tight head that sort of Patty Ryan was. Well, Patty Ryan wasn't this good in the scrum like in 2019. He was just he was just filthy like filthy guy in, in all aspects of the game. But like when it comes to scrummaging for a, tw- you want a 20 minute um, tight head. Manasa Salo gives you everything for a 20 minute tight head. Like he is legit. Um, and, but uh, you had Daniel Christensen, the, tw- the, the cool story about him. Um, 31 years old, former two time all American at Utah. Uh, and um, had been cut by the Warriors twice, and this year he was he he just he just kept showing up, you know, and he got contracted, and well, um, 
much to probably the dismay of the general manager, uh, Brandon Sparks. Both his scrum halves got called up. And, well, I even though Daniel Christensen had 30 minutes, I think oh, I keep – the number keeps going low. I think he had 40 minutes of rugby from this season. Like he played – he only had three appearances, I think, before this, and he played one game where he had 20 minutes and two others where he had 10 minutes. Um, pretty, pretty dang good. Like two tries, orchestrated that attack, was still very uh, still very vaunted. Uh, when you look at it, they're missing. I think I really think some of the defensive pieces that Calvin Whiting brings and Mika Cruz brings, and even um the defense that Mikey Teo can bring was missed. Um obviously just the way Baska is comfortable in leading the attack is, is missed, but Baska is just a little bit different. Um, but is what it is, and um, yeah. they weren't. They were in it, especially when you look at the statistics. They were in it. Um, the biggest thing that they um, struggle with was ball retention at the breakdown um, in this one, and um, they had a few more turnovers, but. I thought they're. I thought they're defense. I mean, it, like you said, though, I, I think it has a lot to do with the missing internationals. But I thought their defense was very lackluster. I mean, it didn't even look to me like they were tr- like trying that hard. I, I was, I was watching and I was getting a little worried for their playoff chances. And then I said, wait, they, they're missing all those internationals. Defense is a team connectivity thing. A lot of the key pieces are gone. I'm sure it won't be this bad uh, come playoff time, but. Man, I thought that was a, a very lackluster defensive effort. Uh, I mean, Atlanta seemed to be scoring with almost minimal. I mean, with minimal creativity, it was just like yeah. You, you, you talked about use rate, and we've sort of had this discussion about use rate with Teo. And I think not just Teo in this in this sense. If we look at the defensive work rate of all the players that they're missing, left a huge hole. Uh, versus a game where they were going to have to play the territory game against ATL. Um, and, you know, you had Josh and Tanata Lauti, who Josh playing out of position. Nada hasn't played a whole lot this year. Uh, and so you, you just had some pieces that weren't um, effective, but still enough to get the bonus point um, and push Austin out. And that's all that mattered. Um, it, it, I thought it was really going to matter what kind of roster – Atlanta put out when it came to Utah's chances. And I just looked at that roster. I was like, this is still dangerous. Utah can pull this off, but it's going to be, it's going to be like a three point win. Um, And obviously it was 10 point loss and they're going to play home and away against uh, the old guiltinis, except it's not really home and away because if they don't win in Los Angeles, they don't go to the final. Um, but they're going back to the semifinals at least. So good for them. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was a good one. Um, overall, they did what they needed to do. Uh, New England, 28, 17, Tohano. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, two, you know, Eastern conference matchup, uh, New England, I think coming into the week, I think we determined last week, they had a mathematical chance, to make the playoffs, but I think as soon as New York won in, in the first match of the week, that was over. So 
uh, another you know game. There, there were no playoff stakes, uh, but you know, of course, pride and and um, you know just the the thrill of victory. Uh, you know, it was a interesting game. I, you know, it was it was very low scoring, especially at first. Uh, I think it was almost the twenty minute mark until Toronto opened scoring with a penalty goal. Um, but really, it was just a matter of New England's defense and mall. I mean, they didn't really do much else. They they shut Toronto down until very late in the game. Toronto added a couple of tries, but yeah, for the bulk of the game, Toronto was kept uh, you know out of the out of the end goal, and New England scored all of their tries either on malls or like right yeah you know, few few phases after a big mall success. Um, so you know it was it was not an expansive win by any means for New England. Uh, they kind of just relied on their their brawny uh, size and toughness, but uh, it was enough to win uh, and win, uh, you know, fairly convincingly in the end. Uh, you know, good on Toronto for a really tough season. I mean, uh, you know, their home was Atlanta, uh, which is pretty far from their actual home. Uh, fought to the bitter end. Even the last play of the game, they actually chased down uh, a New England runner who had, who had broken for. I think it was. I forget who it was, but they, 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 uh, he had broken free and was going for the in goal and they tackled him and forced a knock on to end the game. So, you know, you know, a round of applause for Toronto for a really gutsy year in really tough circumstances and for doing that and like helping make the league work. Uh, and you know, good, good first full year from New England as well. Uh, both these teams are, are going to be going home. Um, for the playoffs, but I think they have a lot to be proud of. New England has to find a new coach. Something to think about. Um, he's going for, I mean, we talked about on previous episode, Brian Martin is going to lead the attack uh, as the head of tech coach, the head, I guess the attack coach, not head attack coach, elite senior. I don't Rugby titles, not in America. Magnificent. He coaches the attacks on he people. Coaches the attacking piece of the game in Melbourne um, Rebels, which he had previously been their skills coach. So I got, you, you see the connections there. So good for him. Um, you know, you saw a lot of players develop for, for New England. So hopefully they get a guy who um, is able to stay long-term. Um, and being an aspirational league is not a bad thing. If you look at the Japanese top league, it's not an aspirational league. Um, basically, they just bring in all the rich, or not all the rich, all the high-end former pro coaches um, from various parts. I mean, Gary Gold coached in the top league. Um, I think he won something with the Ryko Black Rams, too, to be honest. So, I mean, they just – they because they have money, they just go hire the, the best available coaches, um, whereas it's a little bit different here. We're trying to build systems and – Whereas there, they already have like development set up, you know, but, um, and players, you know, aspirational, if, if players, whether they're American or not, are able to go to a higher level league and make more money good for them too. So, uh, final game of the weekend, NOLA at Seattle. So this one, when I saw that Kane Thompson had been dropped, when that came across my desk, and I looked at how many senior players they had on this team. I felt that in my bones, I was like, I don't know if Seattle can do this just because they had lost so many games, even the close ones. 
can be shockers. Now at home, they have played very well, even in losses. So I knew that they could do it. But when, when Kane Thompson was dropped, I knew something might be a, a bridge too far, especially for this team. Cause it went in there. I think three players got injured from the week before. So they, they were even down more players. Cause you had um, Kavika Peniata for his first game. Um, since he's been with the gold for two years, um, he got to play in this game. There was a few others um, that were kind of, I wouldn't call strange, but I would call like long-term development projects that got to get their first taste of MLR, which is good for them. But Nola decided to kick to the corner several times and came away with nothing. Um, they would get the book. They would, they would either they would win the ball or it would be a mess. And when they would win the ball, um, there might be a turnover in the mall that they would form. Um, or it would when they would win that, it would go immediately to a ruck. And they played really wide. And they played wide against L.A., but they played slow, if that makes sense. Whereas, like, the ball may have gone wide um, – but they weren't trying to be flashy. In this one, they were trying to play wide and fast. And that was a problem because every time they had a ruck, they would lose the ball. Whether it was a knock-on in the ruck by themselves or a, or, or a breakdown steal by Seattle. And it just kept accumulating because every time they would earn a penalty, and I know people have talked about the amount of yellow cards that Nola had, but Nola was, had been less penalized than Seattle um, all year. And they were less penalized in this game. Um, but they took all their penalty chances and they basically washed them down the drain because they didn't have any points um, going into that half. Uh, they could have had 12 points at least if they had chosen to kick penalties. And I know that they needed a bonus point of some kind in this game um, whether it was you know winning bonus point or a losing bonus point to keep pace with um, New York to not put them in the predicament that they're in this week, um, but uh, how they chose how the boys on the field chose to execute the game plan, it did not work, and maybe that it should have worked because that's what the film showed them, um, and that. Seattle just rose to the occasion, which I do think that Seattle did rise to the occasion that they're because players have pride, but the reality, I would say this was a Seattle like B B plus team. And that was just no like D team because of the amount of injuries that they had based on who was left from their international call-ups. And then you look at the fact that they had nine international call-ups and they're going to get seven back this week. I don't know if Bailey's available. I think according to talking to Brian Ray, he went on the tour more as like a senior player coach mentor role and not to play. Um, so I don't know if he's going to be available, but they're going to get Dolan back. They're going to get, you know, Guerra back. They're going to get their props back. They're going to get their extra hooker back which is going to be important because they're going to need all those players and all those players are. Can they get their game back from, against Seattle? <laughs> I mean, we, we talked about like defensive continuity and how, like when you have a six game road trip to end your season, you can win a bunch of games. 
but you're going to end up dropping one and you can, especially you can rise to the occasion and you can really believe, which is what they did, especially like through the midpoint of the season when they had a bunch of injuries, um, they rose to the occasion. Like this is a really good team when you consider all the players that haven't played this year for them that ended up, you know, on crutches before the game ever kicked off or by game four, the amount of players that were done. Um, but they didn't have enough and Seattle had more than plenty, which is nuts um, because I think Houston were hoping that they'd lose because they had this one circled um, because they did not want to be the wooden spooners. And I'm pretty sure even if they lose this game, even if they win this game with a bonus point, they are the holden. They they hold the wooden spoon for the season. I think two seasons in a row, actually. Um, when I think about it, um, they they have the wooden. Well, spoon. Yeah, if we're not counting last year, no, I'm counting last year. Counting. Well, last year wasn't Seattle zero and five. Was well, they, were one, they, were, they were one and four? So was did did the SaberCats win two games? No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, for some reason, I remember Seattle's being 0 5, but whatever. They're not, not they're not, none of them are doing great. Yeah. We know that we've discussed here, I've, I've written about uh, that Giltinis cause hangovers. You know, you drink too many Giltinis on a Saturday I, night. I had, to really, I had to really think about that because I was like, you know what? No, no, no. Every, because I posted about this on Twitter, every single team that has beaten the Giltinis, so. Nola, Atlanta, New York—they yeah. all had a hangover. Even Austin, who played them tight the first time, you know, every hangover the next week. Put in the defensive shift required to slow LA has suffered a hangover the next week. Uh, and I think that—I mean, I really just think that's what struck Nola. They were—they were playing like a hungover team. I mean, you—you you might have acted like they almost looked like they were actually literally physically hungover. They were just. Slow, sloppy, uh, and Seattle was on it. They were super amped up. They it seemed like they were gaining energy from their success throughout the night from the crowd. Um, and really, I mean, Nola just never, Nola never looked dangerous uh, after a sh- shocking win last week. You know, pretty shocking loss this week, uh, which you know, got to be heartbreaking for Nola supporters because. They literally, I mean, every every expectation was that they were going to go into this coming week with a 50-50 chance, you know, a, a perfectly even slate to win a playoff spot. Now they need to have a much more Herculean task ahead of them. So really unfortunate. Um, you know, they kind of kind of gave away the the good graces they had built with their with their big win in LA. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it is what it is. It, it kind of sucks for them, but um, we'll see if New York can do a job, or uh, which is just get a bonus point. And and if they get a bonus point, then they are on to the playoffs. And um, it doesn't matter what Nola yeah. do if New York. It's worth saying they need to. I mean, they're basically it's almost unattainable to get in first. They'd have to have a seventy point point differential swing with Atlanta, I think. So, uh, yeah, they'd have to win. Atlanta, Atlanta ain't like Atlanta's getting at least a bonus point this week. Yeah. Um, Atlanta's, but I think Atlanta's probably going to win this one to be honest, but we'll get to that. Uh, Houston at Seattle tomorrow night, Thursday night footy. Um, 
What you got? I'm going uh, just based on sort of the way Seattle has played. They play. They have played very well in a lot of their losses, especially since making the full change to Clarky as head coach. Um, and this is the gut check. This is how much pride does Houston have? And do they put out the correct roster? Because I think some of their issues have been based on selection um, purely. And I don't think short is a – Boyer needed to start that game. And maybe he wasn't fit enough, but he ended up having to play 60 minutes because they had nothing going on. Um, they brought Dickie Dickie Lottie on pretty early in the, against New York. Um, I hope he's fit and he's a star because at the end of the day, he's a very powerful runner for them in the centers. Um, he can just, he can gash a team for 150 meters made. Like you need him. Like whatever you, uh, I hope their scrum is good. Um, cause they had Campbell Burke. Um, start at tight head last week, which that didn't really go that well. Um, and he's sort of a mid-season signing who is playing with Rugby HTX and had been with them last year but didn't play. So it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough game. But um, uh, no, Seattle minus ten, dude. Yeah. I, I don't believe I, I don't believe in the saber cats. I think this I think this cat has lost its teeth. <sighs> yeah, this cat's gonna be whale food. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think Seattle is probably riding pretty high, playing at home again. Uh, I think they have also been a better team since the, yeah they found Ali Timu. Uh, they, they've added some pieces throughout the year that I think have, have helped them a bit. Uh, Houston has seemed to only get worse, really. Uh, I mean, they had a brief spark when Boyer was brought in, but uh, yeah, I haven't really shown much that you'd pick them on the road against anyone. Uh, so I'll, I'll take I'll take uh, Seattle by seven. All right, um, Nolan, right. New York. Nolan, New York, man. You know what? what you the, the tough thing about picking this one is what lineups are are really New York. What lineup is New York going to start? Because I could very much see a scenario where a lot of the key starters are uh, held in reserve for this game, you know, in case things start to go off the wire, you can bring them in and, and write the ship. But uh, with the idea of resting them for a probable playoff berth, um, if that is the case, which I honestly, if I were the coach, that's what I would do. Uh, I actually think Nola will win. So I, you know, coming into last week, if, if Nola had one, I would be picking New York right now. But I, I, I have a feeling New York is going to play this one a little uh, cautiously. And uh, so I'm going to actually say Nola by five. Really? You trying to jinx this team? I mean, if New York, if I look at the rosters and New York is playing all the key starters, I'm going to pick them on Super Group. I'm just guessing that's not going to be the case. I, I, I think you're going to see Andy Ellis, Ben Holland's head, Dylan Fawcett, uh, you know, in, in the reserves is, is going to be my guess. Uh, I mean, we're going to see. You guys get four players back, five players back. Quinn Nawadi, the the locks, if they're both fit. Uh, yeah, Honko. Uh, Honko. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, Honko, the locks, Nawadi. And- Rebolo's not coming back. 
by the way, because they have like Brazil has a long slate of matches based on the qualification schedule in Sud America rugby. Yeah. So um, he's not, he hasn't been, I guess, returned. Um, so uh, again, I wouldn't be surprised if none of those returning internationals, except maybe Nawadi, uh, start. I mean, if you get none of them, uh, that's a struggle for you because I'm pretty sure all the NOLA boys are going to come in and they're going to play. And the last time you guys played them, they beat the brakes off you. By more than 20. By more than 20. So, yeah, I could see Nola winning this one, getting their two bonus points. Their one bonus point. Getting their one bonus point, but New York getting a bonus point. That's That's what I sort of see happening. Um, what a story it would be if they actually got it done and got the twenty point win. Bonus That'd be a point. terrible story. Let's not. <laughs> never that story. Uh, yeah, I'm going Nola. Probably five. You were five. Uh, let's go four. Let's go four points. Um, and um, Austin at the district. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, interesting one. Uh, you know, both. Well, DC played a good game in victory. I, I think Austin played a pretty good game in defeat against LA. Um, both teams now eliminated. I, you know, I hate picking games when, you know, end of season games when no one is playing for anything. I, I think it makes it difficult. Uh, it makes me want to pick the home team, you know, for, for, no, for no other reason, which would favor DC. I do think Austin is still the better team. Uh, and I think they've been, you know, been playing better of late. I think. I think it's going to be closer. If I had to guess, I think a lot of people are going to pick Austin by a wide margin on Super Brew this week. Uh, that is not going to be me. I, I think it's going to be a close game, but I, I am going to say, ugh, I'm going to say Austin by three. I mean, I, I know people are saying like you know neither team have anything to play for. I guess the conspiracy is you throw the game so you can get a higher draft pick if you're either team. Um, probably helps DC more if they lose the game than it helps Austin when you think about it. Um, so I don't think, but it still doesn't. Are there any players in the draft that are so influential that people are throwing games together? I mean, they're trading draft picks for foreign slots and all sorts of stuff. So maybe, I don't know. There, there, there are some really good players in this draft class. Not that they have declared yet because the, as you can tell, if you go on a major league rugby website and you go to draft and you go to draft prospects, they're now live. So everyone can get to know the next generation of MLR players that come through the draft um, and their social handles are there. So go check it out. But um, there are really, there will be really good players that enter this draft. Um, is it enough for you to throw a game? I, I don't really think people really just throw a game until, unless they're at the end of the rope. Like Houston, I mean, I think Houston's going to lose anyways, but that would be where you're tanking, you know? Like, I think I think we don't have to worry that much about tanks. I don't think we have draft. I mean, Mooneyham was has been a great factor for Austin, but it's not as if, you know, he was a franchise-changing player uh, in season one. I, I don't know that we're uh, – Well, I, 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 I don't know what you – 
what everyone else thinks, but I mean, Mooneyham was consensus number one overall pick. It was kind of known that they were going to go there part for geography part because of maturity part because of what you saw on the field this year. He was that good. And he, he was just that good. Guerra obviously proved that he was that good. Um, so there are going to be players in every single draft class that are worth drafting and no. putting on your team. I mean, we had our 11th first round draft pick at their first MLR cap this last weekend. But Guerra so, wasn't the second pick, was he? He was the seventh. I think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, you're not to, to go up from seven to one. I mean, I, I don't, let's put it this way I don't think anyone's tanking. On purpose. No, I, I I don't think anyone's tanking. Um, I think tanking usually happens in very different situations. But um, that was in the NBA when one player takes your team from being worthless to being world champion. Yeah, you can't do that in rugby. Sorry, this isn't a roster of twelve and pe- five people on the pitch. You know. Uh, I think Austin win this one. I think that it's it's going to come down to pride on this squad. Um, and DC have a lot of players leaving. You know, um, Robertson's not coming back. There's a few other players not coming back. So I, I don't know. It, again, rosters. If uh, Sam Harris puts out a bunch of young guys, maybe not. But I don't think he's all their young guys that are left have played. So. Probably Austin by five. Keep it close, I think. Um, LA at Utah. Um, first leg. It's going to be lit. Uh, I think Utah knows what they need to do. They need to um, have a good rush defense on that breakdown. They need to slow down Goddard. They need to shut down the inside switch. They need to make sure – I mean, w- one of the key pieces to the – the LA attack, especially in the past couple of weeks, has been Billy Meeks. Um, he is a hard carrier for them. He can go from 50 meters made to 110 meters made like that. Um, they have dynamic wings. I think the wings that you know Utah had, we we saw that in the first game that they played. It was it was very close in the first game that they played until like the second half. So, but again, Utah is a different team than the first time they played when they played at SoFi. Utah has coalesced and they're, I would say they're relatively peaking, whereas LA kind of peaked early, um, you know, and they, they're still a high quality team. It's really going to depend on who, what both teams put out there uh, because they're both going to be competitive. And Darren Coleman, if I, I don't know his mind at all, but He's probably going to want to make a statement. And then Sean Pittman and Sean Davies are probably going to want to make statements too. And they're going to want to get this home win. Um, So fireworks. That's what I think. Fireworks. Um, Especially if... if Sean's going to have more fireworks. If all the internationals come back and play for Utah, they're going to be at a higher pumped up level. You're going to have just Luke Cardi back. I want Maybe Corey Thomas is back. I don't know. Um, I know he got to play against England. I don't know how he's – he almost didn't go because he, you know, had a collar injury. Um, so let's go high-scoring game, probably in the 40s for each, and Utah with a winning by a nose three. Nice. I like – 
upset picks. Uh, I think, uh, I, I think it, again, these are so tough to pick because who is going to play or who's going to rest who? These teams are ready. We know they're playing each other in the in the semifinals next week already. Um, so who are they going to choose to rest? I, I don't know. I think at altitude, that could be something you can imagine being Eight points. Fun. Eight points is altitude. Just that, that is how I've handicapped altitude. So they're going to go. So, I mean, that, that, that could be something – it could be even more than the standard eight points for a team like L.A. who's so reliant on speed and is potentially vulnerable to, you know, short space force. Uh, but I just – I don't know. And I don't – I can see L.A. resting all, all of their players. I mean, they have such a deep bench. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Luke Hardy was starting at, at 10 and uh, and they're, they're resting all of the older veterans that they're going to – rely on for this playoff run. Uh, that said, I think Utah might also wrestle other players. I think it's so nuanced here, but I feel like the worst thing that could happen for Utah is they come back, they put all their best players in LA don't and LA still win in Utah. I feel like that would just be a soul crushing yeah. confidence destroying thing going into the semifinals. And I almost feel like Utah just have to avoid that at all costs. So yeah. I don't think Utah are going to play their best players that way. Really? If it goes bad, they have a, a mental out, you know, they could rely on for, to build confidence for the semifinal. So I, I I'm going to say LA, I'm going to say Utah don't start all their best players. And uh, therefore we see a defensive effort. Like we just saw this past week against Atlanta. So I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say LA by 15. We'll see. Um, final game, um, Atlanta at New England. Yeah, uh, again, you know, I, I don't want to be a broken record, but who is Atlanta going to start? I mean, knowing it doesn't that- matter. They have a such a like. So basically, I was talking. to Johan Momsen was talking about like how they literally have two squads and they train like two different teams, and they just compete and they compete and they compete, and we've seen a ton of rotation. From them over the past, like I don't think it matters who plays for them. I think it matters who plays for New England. That's that's my thought. Yeah, well, I I think it, I mean it, it may not matter if it's Escura at ten versus Coleman versus Carelse, but I I don't know how how broadly they might plan to rest people. Uh, yeah, I do think New England is is a tough team at home and uh, yeah, another tough, a big brawling defensive side. I think Atlanta, without their normal starters, could struggle and attack. You know, playing in New England. Um, so I, I again, I think these are it's so hard to speculate without seeing lineups. Uh, but I, I think I'm going to still say Atlanta is the cream of the crop of the East, and uh, they're going to want to be feeling good going into the semifinals. Uh, so I think they're going to win it. I'll say Atlanta by eight. I think they'll have some squad rotation and it could go one of two ways, um, but either Atlanta win close or Atlanta win big. That's, that's sort of the one of two ways. I think uh, let's go Atlanta close by five. So where I'm at. Um, so, uh, right, so have- our only disagreement was you with Utah and me with LA. Yeah. For, uh, oddball gentlemen or whoever does those, uh, yeah, he does. Yeah. Right so that, that is our only disagreement is Utah versus Los Angeles. Okay. Um, but, um, 
I appreciate you, by the way, oddball gentleman, for, for putting those together. I think that's a, a neat little feature. Hey, your your Photoshop skills are better than mine, you know. Um, so we do have some questions uh, that came in. Um, Rugger UA at Rugger UA on Twitter. Comment on the rumor that Conor McGregor is investing UFC. He's his prize money. Wouldn't it be his like proper twelve money that he's invested into MLR? Like, well, that was a rumor started by the former owner of New York. I've never heard that rumor, Brian. Yeah, supposedly they were like, "Yeah, I'd love." Like there was a there was a James Kennedy was in some publication that says, "Yeah, we've talked to to Conor McGregor's uh, people." And then that was the only thing they're going to be involved. And then that was the only thing that was ever, that's like a three-year-old rumor. I thought that was hilarious. Like why that question came up. I was like, what? It's like, no one's talked about this in years, like literally years. But the question Um, is who, what celebrities would we want to invest? um, Any, uh, I'll I'll take any celebrity. The Rock. The Rock. rock. Yeah, that would be a great one. For some reason, I don't know, Bruce Willis came to mind, but I don't uh, know. Patrick Mahomes. I feel like you want somebody that has Tom Brady. Like who not only is a cool figure, but has some sort of business acumen. You know, like I mean, how about Mark Cuban? That guy, I mean, that'd be a great uh, investor. Yeah, let's get the, the famous most famous rugby celebrity in the US uh, to invest in MLR. Uh, I think we've, we've people have tried, actually. Um, but uh, make a new Twitter account every week just to ask him to invest in him a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, um, Nick Saban. Uh, let me get give me some Nick Saban money. Um, he he makes like fifth eleven. Well, so apparently on Stephen A. Smith's extension, and the reason why it came up this week is he said things about Shohei Otani, and then he said things about the Nigerian basketball team, and I was like, the Nigerian basketball team won pissed me off because I went to college with a dude that's on the Nigerian basketball team. And then I'm an angel fan. So him talking smack about Shohei Otani pissed me off. So, yeah, but Stephen Smith makes $12 million a year. He is the highest. So he makes more than every other, any coach in sports that is not named Bill Belichick. That's amazing. Good for him. Good for it. Make right. that money, dude. Add him to the list of investors. Good, good for you. You got money, you get involved in MLR, and then you talk about it on ESPN. You know? Uh, the other question that we had was two games in against England and Ireland. Do we think the Ingles have moved forward? What uh, dimensions need improvements? Um, all of them? Some of them? Yeah. We talked about at the outset. We made improvements. Um, we got to play against two tier one nations that are at a level that is above ours, that have resources, that had to that had the ability to practice for almost a month before we played them. Um, we played a lot of debutants, a lot of you know fairly low experienced people. We're missing our, our star players. So, I mean, I'm happy with the overall performance. I mean, it, you know. Obviously, the Ireland game it's was a mixed. I'm 50 50 on the performance. Yeah. You know? We had overall, a good game and we had a bad game. I think, like, there are players you feel comfortable will perform okay overall, and there are players that are question marks, and there are positions that are question marks. I think a lot of places that were question marks 
certain people put their hands up and I felt like, okay, uh, now I feel like we have something to build on. For well, you thought time. someone was a question mark and I kept telling you that's a horrible question mark to have. Um, so, and I hope he, I hope your question mark was destroyed. I tried Cam Dolan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think Cam Dolan played very well, especially against England. Uh, so yeah, I, he, for sure. I, I uh, didn't expect him to, to play as well as he's, I think he played better in England than he played any MLR game in the last two years, but yeah, he, he did play well. So I think he's earned some more time in that eight shirt. Um, yeah, I liked Michael Baska when he played. Um, I thought like Baska. I like Christian Dyer too. That, um, that Christian Dyer. Uh, hey, uh, I, I, I based on that. Um, I know that you were drafting the supplemental draft by New York. Let's um, maybe we see him in a New York shirt next year. Yeah. Maybe for the huh? final last two games, huh? you available for the championship. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, but. Uh, it would be like a Joe Peterson move from year one. <laughs> yeah. For the playoffs. You know, uh, but um, yeah, Christian Dyer was pretty good. I liked his closing speed. Um, he had some sort of mistakes that you would make as a sevens player transitioning to 15s because he'd just been literally in sevens camp for a full year. Uh, I couldn't tell. I mean, I know, you know, some people were talking to mentioned this, but I like, there were definitely times where he was weirdly in the open on, on outside defense, but I, I couldn't really tell if it was because he was at a position or because he was hustling so hard that he was almost getting in someone else's position, <laughs> to like played it. Like it seemed like he was coming out of nowhere to disrupt a play. But it wasn't obvious to me that it was because he, you know, it was his opening that caused it in the first place. Uh, so I, I think, you know, I didn't watch it a second time, but we'd have to go back and look. But my, my yeah. sense was, some people were calling you know, out defensive mistakes because his side was getting, uh, you know, was giving up line breaks. But I, I don't know. For watching it live, it didn't seem like it was him to me. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh. We'll see. I. I. I what I said last week. I think it's going to be difficult to really judge what this tour did because we didn't have good preparation for it, and it was it's a process tour. It's more about what this tour, what we did over this tour that will fall it, like lead into the camp that we have before qualifiers, because if we lose qualifiers and we have to go battle for America's two, then we know this, we didn't do what we needed to do on this tour. But if we go out and beat uh, whether it's an aggregate win or straight up just demolish Canada in two games, then we knew that then we know this tour did what it needed to do. That's that's sort of how I, I look at it. Um, well, let's hope that we didn't bankrupt USA rugby somehow in the process. Ooh, you know, like I think we didn't, but you know, previous European tours, we would always have a neg- a minus mark in the bank account afterwards. So um, I think there was some help they were the unions were told to provide um, or the fixture would not be played. It wasn't a huge payout, but it covered expenses. There we go. Good enough. Good enough. So, uh, Hey, that's us. You can find me at the Strowborough on Twitter. Um, Craig Rodelli at MM fly half. Um, this is our last regular season. Last regular season show. We will 
be back for the playoffs, the final, the, the requiem, probably, maybe not me. I don't know. I think we might all need some rotation. Then we'll talk about the draft a little bit. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I I want some time off, man. Maybe maybe we take August off. Maybe take the rest of August off and then talk about qualifiers in September. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's been a good time, good season. Uh, we will see you guys same time, same place next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Please note, Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. His opinions are his own.